This is a Federal News Network podcast. The State Department's pale, male, and Yale workforce has grown more diverse over nearly two decades. But a recent Government Accountability Office audit shows diversity has not filtered up to the agency's higher ranks. The review also found that racial and ethnic minority employees saw lower rates of promotions. For more on efforts to diversify, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the State Department's Deputy Assistant Secretary in the Bureau of Global Talent Management, Mirambe Nantango. Certainly diversifying the workforce is a top priority for the Secretary of all of us at the State Department. And there are different ways to achieve this goal. Definitely recruiting from the outside is one of them. But there are many different other elements that go into diversifying the the workforce. And we have, um, I think in the last year or so, sort of expanded the conversation to talk about diversity together with inclusion. The idea being that diversity is about people, it's about demographics, it's about numbers. And the metaphor that we use for diversity is that diversity is an invitation to a party. But there is a second part of it. Once you have your people in your party room, for example, what kind of a time are they having? Are they participating? Do they feel valued? Are they contributing? These are all kind of questions that arise after you have them in the room. So the second half of that and the second part of the metaphor is that inclusion is the invitation to dance at the party. So the invitation to participate, to to be heard, to feel that you're contributing. And we're really trying to expand our, our conversation and our vision to include those two concepts in tandem. So we talk about diversity and inclusion as kind of a package item. While we certainly have recruitment programs that bring in, that aim at diversifying the workforce in terms of bringing people into the department, we also are very much focused now on what is our culture of inclusion in the department and how do we strengthen it further? Because if you get the culture of inclusion piece right, then you create the conditions which enhance your attractiveness and help you leverage your attractiveness as an employer and help you leverage much more effectively the diversity that you have. So when we talk about what our vision is going forward, it is multifaceted, it is multi-pronged, it has diversity drawing in of numbers components, but it also has very strong components of what is the culture of inclusion that drives retention, that drives recruitment, and how do we strengthen it within uh, the department. We talk about diversity of recruitment. So that's recruitment from the outside. So we have our traditional programs that I'm sure you're aware of. The Pickering and Wrangle is one program. Our recruitment efforts continue among underrepresented groups and locations, you know, historically black colleges and universities, Hispanic service institutions, for example. We're very focused on veteran hiring. And in addition to all those programs geared at bringing in populations from the outside, we're also focused on Recruitment within the department. So as you're doing lateral assignments, for example, in the civil service, as you are talking about foreign service bidding assignments within the department, what is the consciousness that each hiring manager, each bureau has about its own population and what are the areas that need to be strengthened? And then when we go to the inclusion side, there are many different, very simple, concrete things that any institution can undertake to strengthen the culture of its inclusion. One of the keystone building blocks of inclusion is unconscious bias training. This is something that we put a lot of time and effort into over the past year and a half. We've developed 
a classroom course of unconscious bias training, which is now being turned into an online course, which is available now to all 75,000 employees of the State Department online. And the idea being that opening the sort of the windows of awareness of unconscious bias will help us in many different areas, whether it's hiring, whether it's recruitment, whether it's evaluations, whether it's how you do awards, whether it's how you assign tasks. The key thing is that most people are people of goodwill, but not everybody is aware of how unconscious bias drives our different decisions in all these areas and many, many others. So one of our strong elements that we've really been focusing on has been on spreading the word about unconscious bias training, encouraging all members of the department to take the unconscious bias training, all bureau leaderships to encourage their people to take the unconscious bias training, particularly hiring managers and supervisors who have such an influence over the everyday life of the department. And there are many different areas that go into the culture of inclusion. I mean, this goes into workplace flexibilities. This goes into gender neutral evaluation, the meritorious service increase pilot program that we've started. We have an open conversations initiative that is designed to facilitate constructive dialogue around diversity and inclusion. There's a whole range of very simple and concrete steps that can be taken at all different levels in the department to, as I say, strengthen the culture of inclusion, which in turn will have an impact on the diversity, on the demographics, on the numbers. Drilling down into that a little bit more, could you drill it down a little bit further into what you had said about the workplace flexibilities, as well as the pilot program that you described? So workplace flexibilities, I mean, this is, again, this is a huge universe in and of itself. And the idea being that every person has different circumstances. And if you want to be inclusive, your workplace needs to reflect the diversity of the people that you are attracting and retaining. And so this goes into places, into areas such as telework, intermittent leave without pay, variable lunch schedules. And we're constantly looking at what are the workplace flexibilities that we have in play and what are the others that it makes sense to try and implement given who our population is. So we have, for example, in the Foreign Service, um, a segment of our population are tandem couples. So these are two uh, married couples who are both employees of the department, and they have specific issues and concerns that are not those like everybody else. You have people with families who have their own sets of concerns. We have single employees who are serving overseas who have a particular take on things which may not be the same as everyone else. We have eligible family members who are not necessarily employees of the State Department, but they are um, attached to an employee and they are very much a part of the team morale and of our strength and as an institution. So what are the things that we need to think about um, for elig- eligible family members? It's, it's a constant uh, kind of you, you, uh, continuum of issues that don't necessarily stay static, uh, but it does require kind of a vigilance and a willingness to look at different demographics and to say, you know, what is it that this particular uh, demographic uh, might be able to benefit from um, and make, you know, make sure that every, all these uh, flexibilities are, ve- are available equally to everyone else, but ensuring that we are taking into account the diversity of the workforce as we um, consider what the flexibilities are. The Meritorious Service Increase uh, pilot program is one, the gender neutral program is, um, it's a pilot and we're going to be doing it, I think, for two or three years. It's a recognition mechanism whereby 
based on the performance of the employee, they could be recommended for um, a grade increase based on their performance. We've just sort of traditionally done this in the traditional way that you feel that somebody needs recognition, you write up the nomination and you submit it and then it gets evaluated by a department-wide committee. And this year, for the first time, we had a gender-neutral program whereby all the nominations that were put in, right, you couldn't identify whether it was male or female. Mirambe Nantongo, the State Department's Deputy Assistant Secretary for the Bureau of Global Talent Management, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.